Now, you got to understand, brother, I've spent fucking, ever since you agreed to to humble me with your, your presence and to come on my show, I, I've been trying to figure out the best possible way to introduce you because you know you have the best introductions out of anybody <laughs> out there, right? You, you, you serve people up in this wonderfully professional, you know, very, uh, uh, thorough, oh, and he did this, and then he did this, and then she did this, and then they've been awarded this time. And but you always finish it with yeah. that one smart ass. That one, what, what was JP's that you did? You and he and and JP was just like that is the most interesting <laughs> introduction. <laughs> yeah. I forget yeah. what you did for mine, dude. Remember. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I mean, you've done so many. Yeah. So here, I'm gonna I'm gonna introduce you right Sorry. now, right, right. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, I am privileged and honored to introduce my very close personal friend and 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 the world's greatest dog handler, the world's greatest uh, 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 barbecuer eater, the world's greatest. Uh, 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 he likes to drive real, real fast. Uh, the world's greatest, uh, dog food maker, the world's greatest, the world's greatest. And he's also, and he's also, he loves, he loves baking. <laughs> I can make a hell of a pie crust. It's flaky, flaky as fuck. That's just my jam. Oh, that's my jam, man. Yeah. How are you, buddy? I'm fucking great, man. It's good to see you. I'm glad uh, glad you're in town, and uh, yeah, I always always enjoy hooking up with you. So. Yeah, dude. It's um, you know, it's funny, man. You know, we just had lunch and we we're chatting, and it's you know, you 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 never imagine what's going to happen in your lives, and we've chatted before. We never would have ever dreamed we would be in this space, and I, and I. I'm certain there's no doubt in my mind that you you, you ever wondered that, that or thought that you would have one of the biggest podcasts on iTunes, man. And, and you yeah. do. And you'd have this incredible, one of the top dog training programs in the world and coming out with all these top rated, you know, products. And you'd be this, you know, this father of these two beautiful girls and, you just can't imagine that when we were just young and dumb and, and idiots, man. No, I mean, 100%. It, it, uh, I was just, as you started, you know, describing that, I was thinking back to when we first met, you know, going through SQT together back. I mean, fuck, <laughs> I, was, I was eight. No, I was 19, I guess. But uh, You were yeah. so young, yeah, dude. You and Nick Cox, bro. Yeah. Oh, I mean, my just, God. You know, so, yeah, to, to think about, you know, back then versus now and, and – uh, it, it is. I mean, like, I can't even really wrap my fucking mind around it. Like, it's just nuts. For I, I just want to start because, you know, I, I've been doing shows now. I mean, I, my first podcast I dropped in, I think it was like April or May of 2013, right, with Navy SEAL Radio. And, and so I've been doing this a long time. And, you know, you started Mic Drop, what, two years ago now? No, about a year and a half. A year and a half. Yeah. So we're not even quite at... at and I remember when we talked and you were like 12 shows in and you were already doing 55,000 downloads per show and you were already in hitting in top 200 easily society culture and, and then, you know, hitting thresholds in top 200 of all. And you were like, man, I don't even know what's going on, dude. Yeah. And I remember, you know, in prep 
for when you came on TNQ, listening to your interviews and going, my God, he's got it. It's just kind of a natural thing for you. Do you, do you, do you feel that when you're on the air? Uh, sort of, but not, not in a, I guess I don't feel like I have it. It just, it feels very natural to, to talk to people, uh, in that, in that regard. And it's, it's, what's weird about it is, you know, just like you said, like if there's one thing that surprised me the most about my entire fucking life, it's the success of, of mic drop. Honestly, it's the, the, for whatever fucking reason, uh, I seem to have some, some ability to, to sit down and, and interview people and get them to, to open up and keep it interesting enough for people to enjoy it. Well, let me break it down for you because that's what I do, right? I break shit down, right? (laughs) First off, you have a voice that could, that could grace any fucking media platform there is on the planet, right? I mean, you have the ultimate radio voice, as we should say. Remember the guy, the Harvey dude, Paul Harvey. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're right up there with Paul Harvey in terms of your tonality shifts, your intensity, the way you, phrase questions uh you know just the way your voice sounds i mean you could also work at the best strip club in the world too and you know (laughs) how do you know i don't (laughs) (laughs) that's what i'm that's that's actually why i'm in dallas today (laughs) we gotta wrap this up (laughs) (laughs) ladies and gentlemen welcome to the stage jasmine (laughs) god damn it oh for one night only yeah Yeah. (laughs) so your voice in and of itself, it's perfect radio voice. But then there's also the part that, man, you know, I on a plane ride over to Dallas this morning, I, I listened to your your John Nora's interview, and and you you really are invested in the people that you that come on your show, and 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 for all the listeners who've maybe never heard Mike but I'm sure all of you are cuz I, I have about one tenth of what Mike who listen to Mike so and you're all very great fans of his but you know to, in order to get on your show first off you had to drive to bumfuck Egypt to yeah. to be out there so there was already a, a substantial commitment on your li- on your guest spot yeah. so is that part of the reason why you may you make such a in, in incredible investment and in really understanding who's coming on yeah i mean that's a it's for sure a part of it uh for me the biggest part of it was just you know in 2013 that's when my first book came out and, and it was yeah. when the 60 minutes piece they they came out you know right at the same time which you know kind of catapulted me into doing, we should give a sh- quick shout to laura yeah laura logan yeah, yeah. did an amazing job with that uh and the interview that she uh, came on on was uh, crazy. My, probably my favorite I've ever heard with you. Oh, yeah, thanks. yeah, man, it was one of the best interviews I've ever heard, and oh, and for her too. I, I mean, she always has this wonderful wit, but you were able to really get inside and and get her to make some commentary that I don't believe she. I don't Probably think she was expecting to make maybe, but at all. <laughs> I, I mean, look what happened on Breitbart, man. Yeah. I mean, that thing blew up, became yeah. viral, man. Yeah. Um, I, I appreciate you saying that the, um, yeah. So for me, the, it's really always been about, you know, the interviews that I've been on, I know as a guest, like one of the things that I've probably pulled from dog training that's helped me in all other aspects of my life that doesn't have anything to do with dogs is projecting, you know, putting, putting myself in somebody else's shoes, whether it's my kids, whether it's, you know, a spout, you know, whatever. Uh, and so with the guests, it's the same thing. It's like, I, I've been on all these interviews with people. Um, 
And, and I know the ones that went well, and I know the people that respected my time enough to at least fucking look through the book. To me, like, nothing pissed me off more than when I, I traveled somewhere, you know, on my own fucking dime and, and took all of this time to, uh, to accommodate a show. And they're like, hey, Mark, what, uh, so what's this book about? You know, and you're like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, you don't even know my name. You haven't looked at the fucking book. You know, and, and to me, like, I've, I've always just looked at it like, with any interview I do, if the listener can Google that person's name and, you know, in the first 15, 20 result findings is going to come across all of the same shit we're talking about, then who gives a fuck? Right. You know, like, what's the point of doing it? You know, because to me, if you're not trying to peel back at least enough layers of, of their personal onion to to give somebody that something that's at least a little unique. Yeah. Then like what, what's the fucking point? You I know, don't so. know. I mean, I, I, and so all you got to do is scroll through, I don't know, a, a large majority of shows that are out there. Yeah. That's all they do. They go to the first page of Google, they read two articles on a person and then yeah. that's all they do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so to me, it's like with, with the amount of in technology and, and in today's day and age with, the vast amounts of information that are accessible at the drop of a hat. It's like time is, you know, people say time is money. Fuck time is way more valuable than money. You can't save time. I can't give you any more yeah. time. I can't invest in time and make more of it. You know, so it's a finite resource. And, and have you always ex felt that about time though? Like it's, uh, it's, 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 it's no. going. I mean, for sure it's, it's in the last five, six years as I've gotten older and watched my kids grow and, seeing things that, you know, I, you hear people say, and people always said to me when they were born and, you know, 18 months, two years, whatever. And they're like, fucking enjoy that shit. Cause when it's gone, I'm like, yeah, whatever. Fuck you. You don't know. And here I am like getting choked up, like, uh, you know, seeing younger parents with their young kids doing some of the things and I, and I miss it, you know, yeah. I'm like, fuck, I wish my kids were that age still, you know, but so it, it's, it's been that element of my life for sure that has highlighted my uh, my, my feeling of significance as it relates to time, uh, in that regard. But so because of that, you know, my point being is that everybody's time is valuable. Um, and, and there's, I mean, fuck, there's millions of podcasts out there at this point, but there's YouTube, there's podcasts, there's TV, there's Hulu, fucking, you know, Netflix, whatever. Like there's so many things that you can spend your time doing. And, and if somebody's going to give me the chance at listening to my show for, you know, even if it's a few minutes to see if they want to keep listening or not, like it's my fucking job to do, you know, my due diligence and make sure that I'm giving them what their fucking time is worth. Yeah. Uh, and that's for the listener. That's for the guest. That's for, I mean, for me, you know, like I love talking to people, probably not quite as much as you do. <laughs> I've never seen anybody that can talk like you can to people, but, uh, uh you have that natural gift. But, uh, you know, so for me, it's like, I enjoy You're really fucking good at it though, bro. I appreciate it. I mean, I learned from the best. Yeah. Man. Thanks man. Um, you know, so for me, I, I enjoy doing it. And, and so like I, I'm, it's not a, a manufactured outline. It's like, I'm fucking interested in this. Like yeah. I want to know what the fuck, you know, and then I want to know what your opinion is. And if I disagree with that, like I'll be respectful, but I'm going to push back whether it's, you know, drug legalization or guns or child rearing or yeah. fucking dog training stuff. Like, I mean, Anybody who's listened to, you know, any number of, of the episodes, um, you know, knows that number one, like I will ask fucking anything. And number two, like if you give a bullshit answer, I'm going to fucking push you on yeah. it, you know, and, and most people just don't do that. You know, to me, like 
when, when somebody answers a question on an interview and, and, and it's a long, well thought out, elaborate fucking response that has, you know, a dozen really good potential follow-up questions and, and the interviewer's like, yeah, it's interesting. So tell me about, you know, and then they just pivot. It's like you useless bag of fucking totally. shit, you know? So, you know, to me, like that shit pisses me off. And, and because so many podcasts are that way where people do it as a, a hobby or like a side gig or, or whatever, it's just like they half-ass it, uh, or it seems like it's half-assed, and and I just I'm like, dude, I am not gonna fucking do that, you know. So, well, it's funny, man. You know, I, it's it's like this is the one medium out there, and, and Jordan Peterson talks about this extensively. It's the one medium out there where you actually can be in this type of situation, yeah. and flush out <clears throat> people's real thoughts about something, yeah. where you know it's not like, hey, man, uh, the the you know the the 15 minutes for this interview are up. We covered, you know, the highlights. You just write a book. Uh, you're, you're on tour. Uh, where'd you grow up? You know, and what was your time like in the teams? Right. And that's it. And then you're done. But on this man, you know, you're two hours into it. You're exhausted. Yeah. And, and you, you can hear man, like the, the, uh, you know, another one of my favorites is the one you do with JP and, you know, him telling those stories really and not feeling the pressure that he was under some kind of gun and you being able to go to the next one and get to the next one and get to the next one, man, that's an amazing ability. And, and I think it's what I hear is, you know, you, you have this profound way you start. Like I said, you, you really do the research and, and you're, you, you're patient. You have wonderful patience. Is that something that, also is in line with with this concept of time is to really develop to to, because you know i mean we joked with ours man we we spent what four hours fucking talking before we even got on on and then then did two and a half three hours with us right so building that rapport is so critical sure you know so part of it is is that is that you know to me if if you're gonna sit in a you know a casual but but intimate environment with somebody, you know, no different than if you're trying to get to know somebody on a date or, you know, a fucking potential person you're going to hire for as an employee or, or whatever is that, you know, to me, like, let's shoot the shit a little bit, get comfortable, break the ice, you know, laugh a little bit, you know, crack a joke. I mean, that's the whole point of the lightning yeah, round is, is to just love it. Yeah. Just, you know, fucking like I, I try to come up with it's almost like a challenge of what, what's the most ridiculous fucking thing I can ask this person. <laughs> you know, like when was the last time you shit yourself in public? You know, like <laughs> who the fuck asked that? You know? uh, <laughs> and people are just favorites. like, what? You know, <laughs> or like I had uh, Sam Benia and, and uh, Mike, Mikey Sowers. Yeah. On. My first yeah. question was like, where's the craziest place you guys have hammered it out in public? Yeah. And she's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Like when Mike, Mike rattles off five of them, (laughs) right? You know, like, fuck, I don't know, babe. You know, yeah. Like he doesn't miss a step, but you know, I mean, to me, like that's ironically, I mean, it's almost like a, a a stress desensitization that you do with, with dogs and especially young puppies. But is that, you know, you, you throw some like, holy fuck. And then it makes everything else, you know, less, less drastic, you know? So, well, also I, you know, there, there is a, there is an underlying intimidation, I think, that exists with people coming on with us anyways, right? Yeah. You know, I, we always experience that at T&Q, and, yeah. and mostly because of Marcus, right? People are 
like, holy shit, this is the lone survivor. My story doesn't even fucking rate. Right. You know, and, and, you know, we chat a little bit. It's, he's completely not like that. He's, he's very gracious. He's very humble, you know, and, and there were several times which cracked me up where, you know, people were actually like in, in as he was presenting questions, they'd try and like teach Marcus about never quit or give him some <laughs> advice on it. And it was just, but it, there was this, there's this, this uh, almost a fear, right. Yeah. To come on with you. And so th- that aspect of building that rapport, those de-stressors, you know, is, yeah. is immense, isn't it? Well, it? It's necessary. I mean, and, and to me, I, I find it laughable that people are intimidated if they come on the show. Uh, you know, to me, it's just one of those surreal things that it's kind of like being recognized, you know, like we talked yeah. about at lunch, like you're at an airport or, or whatever. And, and it's just, it's, it, I don't think it'll ever not be weird, no. uh, but um, but you know, so f- for that, you know, yeah, like if, if I can tell the person is nervous and you know, to me that like, that's going to be a shitty interview. Yeah. If they're nervous and they're, and they're kind of clammed up and they're not comfortable, you know, then, then it's my job to make them comfortable. And, and, you know, thinking about it, there, there's two things you mentioned patience earlier. And then the other thing is, is making them comfortable before we train again, I'm, I'm, I'm the dog guy. I'm going to bring it back to dogs. 100 fucking percent. The reason that that I think what most people may may uh, view as as an innate ability of mine to do that is not that at all. Hmm. It's a hundred percent learned behavior on my part in dealing with dogs. Really, a hundred percent. Because w- with dogs, and I'll I'll use bite work uh, and environmental stress as an example. Environmental stress is one of the fastest ways for me to wash a dog out of a program. If if I and one of the tests I'll do is like I'll take a dog without loading him in drive, but which means, you know, showing him a tennis ball, right. giving him any type of stimuli that's going to excite him and, and put him into prey drive, which is going to relieve stress and help him through things that he's skittish about. I don't want to do that because I want to see genetically, is this dog nervous? Is he skittish or does he have strong environmental nerves? And so when I take him into say a Home Depot, you know, on leash, all this fucking shit going on and the dog clams up, I may drop a box of fucking screws behind him and does it startle him? Does he tuck yeah. his tail and pin his ears and run? I look at all of those things and say, okay, well, this dog is going to be a, a fucking problem. He's going to be a liability in a working environment if they, if they don't have nerves of steel going into environments like that. But if that dog is that way, what, what is imperative as a dog trainer, handler, evaluator, et cetera. Podcast host. Podcast host <laughs> is having the ability to, one, number one, obviously recognize that. And then number two, you do whatever the fuck you have to, to help get them comfortable. Right. Because if they're not, you can't do anything with at them. all. You, you, the, the whole ability to imprint is just locked off. Right. Yeah, you, yeah. So, and so that's with basic obedience. It's with, you know, nose work. It's with fucking bite work. It's with everything. And so, you know, I, I spend my days watching creature after creature after creature and, and using nonverbal cues, body language, things like that to, to determine this motherfucker is uncomfortable. So now I need to figure out how to make him comfortable before we can start training. Well, let, let's, let's slow down a bit. Cause that's for me, a big part of this is really digging into your ability to dissect not only canine psychology, but then as you always put every time we're together. And I think that's what I'm most fascinated about you is the magnitude and the ease with which, you can make those translations right within behavioral psychology right and and there are so many similarities right in particular with younger people yeah. right in that ability but so you know as you've 
you've you've logged in these incredible guests, right, in, in these amazing shows with really deep diving into these people's experiences. What what are you learning most about yourself as it relates to just the insane stuff that people are doing in the world? Uh, I mean, for me, I, I I guess I don't really look at it that way, you know, and, and maybe that's a shitty thing to say. I, I guess I, I don't ever self-reflect, uh, you know, in terms of looking at, okay, what am I learning from the guests? But I mean, at, you know, off the top of my head, as you ask it, I guess just, you know, what I find myself thinking about and, and feeling like I'm learning is is how to refine my your skill yeah the, yeah. the craft or the ability to, to be better about it I, I i do listen to some of my episodes afterwards not all of them um and, and i do that for two reasons number one is that um you know from a excuse me from a an inundation standpoint i do think there's a happy medium of, yeah. of over analyzing you know oh o- for sure o- you can paralyze yourself you with know, it. on the same token like no reflection you're not going to grow and get any better either yeah. so you know i'll pick and choose you know like every episode i'll listen to some of it you know it may just be a few minutes here or there or whatever some i'll listen to the whole fucking thing but you know what i'm looking for is you know speech patterns and where i could have asked a, a, a either a, a follow-up a, question or a yeah pattern. man that's the one that's yeah. hard right yeah to me yeah i mean to me that the, the key of the interview once you've established rapport and, and made that guest comfortable like we kind of talked about with the dogs from there now you know to me what separates a great interviewer from everybody else is thinking yeah you know and, and that is hard as you well know like especially the more in-depth and and um robust my outline is you know i've got all these questions all these thoughts and it's organized as best as i can organize it but as you will know like that fucking interview is dynamic yes we may talk about this way before i had planned on it and you know and so it's keeping track like a rolling inventory of what you're talking about what you have talked about what and, and there's there's times where I, I have this written down, but he said that I, now I don't want to talk about this or I'm going to move this here now. And, and, you know, it's, it's almost like that. What's that fucking movie with Tom Cruise about the, the future. Oh, minority it, report. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, sure. it's almost like you've got, yeah. Like you've got this board and you're just moving. Well, there's shit a flow. Around. There's a flow yeah. because you can't, you, there's no way you can predict yeah. the, the level of what people are going to allow. Right. Yeah. And, and that's why like, I, I just, I just interviewed, remember, remember Obi. Yeah. yeah, Mike Oberhelman, and I just interviewed his wife because uh, they're doing a truckload of work in the Bahama uh, oh, yeah. support his company, Blue Tide Marine, and and you know she was a newscaster up an Emmy Award winning newscaster up in Virginia Beach, and and she was on air when Extortion Seventeen, and yeah. and, and Mike was with them just prior to that, and she broke down, man, and it's like holy shit, yeah. And it, you and you have to, and, and then it's like, all right, do we dig into that? Do I ask about the funerals? Do I, ah, not, yeah. you, you know, and it's that it's, you're right. It is a thinking on your feet. And it's much like when you're, like you said, when you're interviewing something or you got an issue at work and you're, you're trying to flush out uh, a, a greater understanding of the individual. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and again, like, you know, you're going to hear me reference dogs, you know, again, like it, it's not that I'm good at interviewing. It's that I have decades of experience in training dogs and training dogs is the exact same fucking thing. Wow. You know, because here is my plan of what I planned on covering, but the dog did this. I wasn't expecting that. So now I've got to do this instead. Like you're thinking on your feet every fucking training session. Are dogs, are dogs m- more 
more in what's the best what's the great way to describe it are dogs more predictable than humans are no i mean where where you become a better um and more effective dog trainer is being able to manipulate their environment to make them more predictable uh-huh. they're not inherently more predictable they're they're every bit as wild card like as as people are they don't have the logic and reasoning ability but they do some squirrely shit that you can't figure out or even begin to comprehend why they did it and sometimes it doesn't fucking matter, you know. So what I do is I, I make the environment almost like a funnel to, to get them to make the right decisions so that I can reward it. That's interesting. And and I think the same I think the same effects ultimately happen with 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 people making that drive out to you. I know I certainly did, you know, as I landed and got in that car and just drove and it kept further and further and further and really, you know, you know, got into, in my mind, man, you know, what is, what are the stuff that I want to be able to, to deliver? You know, what is the information that I want to be able to convey? And, but also knowing that having listened to a bunch of your stuff and, and you're, you're one of my favorites also is the one you did with Andy Stump. You know, I love that interview and, and, you know, is, is, you know, prepping yourself for that environment and which is out remote in the middle of nowhere and in your living room and, and just face to face. And it was, it's a powerful style. Are you a little nervous that you're going to a studio now? A little bit for sure. I mean, you know, again, the, the having it there, you know, it it wasn't a by design thinking, okay, I know how this works with dogs. I'm going to do it the same with people. It was just, that's what I had available at the time. And, you know, yeah. and starting it out, like I'm not going to go rent a fucking studio and buy all the equipment, you know, like spend tens of thousands on, you know, everything. Um, and so it was just like, well, we'll try this. But, you know, again, knowing, knowing that I do the same thing with dogs, like sometimes purposely I'll stack the deck against them, yeah. you know, to, to make them uncomfortable so that it makes them easier to get into their mind and, and manipulate it. Well, I, I want to see you start doing that with people, but yeah. in the studio, yeah. I want you yeah. to like, Remember in second yeah, phase, yeah. the bucket over the, yeah. the water bucket? A little Sears school shit. Right, yeah, right? Get the babies screaming in the shotgun. Wow, you, you see Joe Rogan <laughs> has everybody take pictures with the, the, the yeah. stuff. Well, you got to like, you put them in some torture device. Yeah. like Or put them in, <laughs> like you make them wear the bite suit and they yeah. have to get a bite before they that'd come be, on. And... That'd be fucking awesome. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, the, the environment is, you know, you've been there. Uh, it is. Yeah. I mean, like it's, you've got two hours of clearing your mind to get out there. Yeah. And then when you get out there, it's like cow pastures and fucking wooded areas and and nothing you know it's it's a fucking ranch house with 30 fucking grumpy retired dogs and and it's in my my office slash living room yeah very casual environment and and so i think that certainly has aided in making them comfortable and and making it a more relaxed environment for sure uh, i mean even the interview you know you know sean you know i was really stoked when you had sean on and 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 you know he you know, he, he, I mean, God bless the guy, what he's done on YouTube. I've never seen anything like that in my, I mean, 350,000 subscribers in a year yeah. and a half. That's insane. Right. Yeah. But it's much different than doing a live interview. And, yeah. and, and Sean, you know, he, he, he's very cautious with himself, but man, he was so ready for that. It seems like in that drive out there must've made a big impact. I'm, I'm sure it does. And I think it depends on the person too. You know, somebody, did you have any that, because I haven't listened to all of them, but do you have any that stick out that they just couldn't relax or? Uh, n- none to, in their entirety. Yeah. Um, I will say the one I did with uh, Benito Olson, uh, who was a yeah. canine handler at Damneck. 
Um, it, it took him a little longer, I think, to get comfortable. Um, and, you know, he's, he's one of my favorite human beings. I love the guy. And the stuff he's been through and he's done is just remarkable. And, and you know, I, I think it's because, um, you know, j- just him, him he, he is one of the most humble guys I've ever met and wow. just does not like talking about himself, you know. And so I think it took him a little longer to, to kind of get comfortable and, and open up. Isn't that up, wild, but, man, yeah. that, you know, even with somebody, you know, it, it you, you know, the one nice thing and, and, and kind of to round out what, what is so awesome about your style is that, you know, even though you do press and even though you do have a great ability to get the next level of, of response, right. Um, you, you know, there's still a, 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 a respect that you are able to uh, omit and, and drive and which makes it really easy to talk to you. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate it again. And, and again, I, I, as much as I'd love to say that, uh, you know, it's some inherent thing it dogs have taught me all of it, honestly. Wow. I mean, because you know, I'll, I'll pull a bite work, uh, example out. And that, you know, when you talk about pressing people is that, you know, you know, better than just about everybody is that you, you referenced, you know, somebody breaks down and starts crying. Do you, do you poke that fucking bear or do you leave it alone? When, when having the ability to know when to push and when to back off and, and overlapping and transitioning back and forth mm-hmm. is something I've learned in being in a bite suit, because that's exactly what you're doing as a decoy, especially if you're bringing a young dog up and trying to build confidence and make them stronger. What we do is you get in a, in a suit and that dog comes in and he bites you. And at first I'm just evaluating what he's doing. I'm feeling him out. And then I start to put pressure on him. Mm-hmm. And I have the ability in being in a suit is he can't really hurt me, but I can get inside his fucking head. Easily. Not easily. It depends on the dog. If it's a young and experienced, you know. And just to give the listeners a, a little spectrum of time, how soon does a dog get to actually engage with a bite suit? On, on a suit, it's usually, you know, closer to a year old. Yeah. Uh, they're usually doing, you know, rag and little bite wedge and, and pillows and sleeves and shit like that and building up to it. So, you know, nine to 12 months is when I would say most dogs start to experience the suit work. Some a little later, just depends. But, you know, just like with people, you know, some are really strong at a young age. Some are super fragile. And, and it's those fragile dogs that teach you about that nuance of, of your timing has to be fucking impeccable. Right. Because if I'm too much for too long, I'm going to ruin him. If I'm not enough, I'm not going to build them. Is it is it too much for too long within within the evolu the, the singular evolution, mm-hmm. or is it over prolonged over like three weeks of bite suit work? Well, it's both. Okay, you know, it's it's everything. I mean, and and you can break it down even further. Is that not even just in each bite session? It's I start to put pressure on him, and 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 this is where I'm looking at his tail, his his pupils. Are they fucking blown out and dilated when they shouldn't be? If it's if it's sunny out because he's stressed, is he whale eyed? Is his hackles up? Is he getting chewy in his bite, you know, and then getting nervous and starting to slide off and come out? Is he countering in harder because he's pissed? Right. And he's defensive and fighting for his life and scared and biting harder, you know. So so as a decoy, like you're you're going through and, and evaluating hundreds of of nuanced micro fucking body language mechanisms that are telling you what that dog's mind is thinking and and so not only do i have to be able to read that accurately is that now i have to be able to be comfortable enough while the motherfucker's biting me uh read that and make all of these micro corrections to okay take it off put it on leave it here wait for him to come in he counters i do this like it's it's a dance yeah that's just happening super fast and 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 none of it is verbal it's all nonverbal. so 
you you to be a good decoy, you have to be able to 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 think on your feet, read fast, understand nonverbally. He's uncomfortable. I need to back off. But even something like that, like you you can't back all the way off. No. Or, or what you do is you coddle them folding. Right. You know, so when they get uncomfortable, it's like I'm going to back off just enough for them to show me some forward movement, and then I'm going to let them dominate me right, and right. teach them that they need to come out of their shell and, and become stronger. And so with that like there's so many parallels when you're interviewing somebody oh my god that, the, everything right yeah. the people looking down and away everything. all those little little yeah. just the words they're thinking about if they take a long time to yeah. answer if they're free-flowing i mean that's yeah. that for me is 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 absolutely the funnest part about doing this yeah. right is is when you do get those moments where you you do hit the right question at the right time and in the right environment and then you you what I call gold, right? You get, you get the information that really for that listener that's in the space at the right, their right time, their right in and they hear that piece of information yeah. that, that, sh that changes their life. Really. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, for me, I think, like I said, it's just having so many years of experience and worked, you know, at this point, literally thousands of dogs, um, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's become second nature. You know, yeah. like I don't have to think about it, you know? Well, I'll tell you what, your podcasting certainly sounds second nature, bro. I, I'm, I just, listen, I, I, you know, as a, as a guy who's been doing this for a long freaking time now, and I listen to, I mean, I, I regularly go over to iTunes and Spotify and I'll just scroll through and I'll press click and I'll, Man, you, you're one of the best I've ever heard, dude. Uh, I mean, I don't even know what to say to that. Yeah. Honestly, I appreciate it very much. It's but. incredible. I, I just, I certainly hope that, you know, with the new studio and the new commitment to it and being closer to a main hub and that, you know, it's just going to keep growing, which I'm sure it is. Is is there any is there any place that you'd like to kind of deviate to, to kind of go out? Because everybody in our of our sphere of influence, right? We, we yeah. live in this, this, this veteran first responder kind yeah. of nice, nice cone of, of, of yeah. circulating guests and shit. And, and yeah. it's, un, it's unending. I mean, and yeah. all the stories are phenomenal, yeah. right? But are, are you going to go and are you going to interview, you know, Lady Gaga? Are you going to interview whatever? Yeah. I mean, so two things, I mean, in terms of, of, it going, you know, somewhere outside of that realm. Like I'm, I'm happy to interview anybody. I mean, I interviewed Erica Jane, who's off yeah. of, you know, Real Housewife of Beverly Hills. She's a good friend of mine. She's a client. She has a dog from me, and you know, I've known her for years. And, and that so, blew my mind, by the way. Like, yeah. it, it, like I was like, what? Yeah. So you know, to me, I, I'm certainly willing to. Uh, you know, and Laura Logan, kind of similarly. I mean, she's way more in the the spectrum or realm of of the people that we typically associate with and and work with industry wise, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, like I I look at it as a challenge because it's it's easier to interview guys like us. There's yeah. so many like minded things, and and you kind of speak the same language, and and it's easy to shoot the shit with them. Um, I I would love to interview Lady Gaga. Like, I, to me, I would love to interview you know the most challenging fucking person I could possibly do it. And and from a we're gonna get Beto on your show, I, bro. I, I would. I mean, it might be taped to a chair while we interview. <laughs> But, uh, I think choke. Was, uh, are you yeah. gonna put the choke yourself t-shirt on yeah, him? I would. <laughs> and i saw him in a uh in a muscle shirt the other day i think his guns have already been confiscated i don't know he's kind of a skinny fuck but did you ever see him in the old and and you know i i, I don't typically do this but there's some there's some definite irony in in his his race the, the old thing where he was the hacker 
he was in a band and he yeah. used to wear like He's a, a pig mask yeah. and all that. I mean, yeah. there's something we've really crossed over and, I, and we'll talk about this later, but we've crossed over into the spectrum of, of, of really unique place we're in, right? The old traditional molds of, 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 you know, yesteryear, whenever that was right. They're, they're radically destroyed. Yeah. And so what I think that does, if you're willing to fall on your own face and, and fail on, on the mic and on air and, in, in risking in those interviews, it, man, it's endless. Oh, a hundred percent it is. And I mean, to your comment with the, you know, the, the changing of the guard, at least with, you know, the political reference of like, you know, it used to be, you know, Harvard educated fucking, you know, grew up, you know, as a fucking polo player, like never fucking been arrested, you know, was in the, on the debate team and fucking, you know, groomed like, for yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like from day, like almost like fucking Spartan warriors were, but groomed for, for, you know, political, uh, there's a funny, like uh, Netflix special that's out now. It's called the politician. Gwyneth Paltrow is in it and it's about these rich kids who are this one whose yeah. his whole life is to become the president. Yeah. And it's yeah. exactly Same, that. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's not that way anymore. No. So that coupled with just like, dude, if there's something in your background, like you're not going to hide it. Like somebody yeah. is going to uncover whatever the fuck you, like a tweet you fucking posted in 09 that you were drunk one night and, you know, whatever. The beer guy, like, dude, yeah. raised $2 million for a kid's hospital yeah. and Bud, Bud, Budweiser dropped him because he had some tweet when he was in 16, yeah. Yeah, man. it's fucking retarded, you know. Yeah. So, but, yeah, so, I mean, it, it is, it, it does make it challenging, I think, for, for them and, and opens up a, just a circus of shit for people like us to you know, interview them, honestly, but which is great. You know, it's great. For well, I'm, I'm in Southeast Florida. So yeah. the, the, I could literally walk out the door and find some insane person no, to have on. Well, yeah. That, uh, what is it? The internet challenge of type in man in Florida on whatever date. And like this, the shit you find that goes on in Florida, like what is it because it's close to the Bermuda triangle? Like what the fuck is going I'll on? I'll tell you exactly what it is, is that people one, it's specifically in Palm beach County. We have the largest rehabilitation rehab facilities in the world, right? More rehabs and uh, than anywhere else. You combine that with the fact that we also have the greatest amount of opioid distribution in terms of bogus doctors, we have the most litigious area in the country. More lawsuits are filed in our area. You have incredible crime and cartels and drugs. People leave wherever they are in the world to come to our area to get hammered, to get jacked up. I mean, they don't call it snort liquor dale for nothing, <laughs> right? It, it, and and it, this is a long-term cultural thing. I mean, people have been going to, what, Miami Beach and partying since the 40s and 30s and and Fort Lauderdale partying since, you know, the yeah. 60s. But, I mean, do you suppose that it, it's the weather that makes all of those things converge? Yeah, I, I do. And I think, I you know, we also have great tax laws and people, I mean, more billionaires are bombing out of New York to come to Florida. We've got 41 billionaires in the last six months or something with their companies. And oh, shit. Uh, so the tax havens, uh, real estate and is, is, you know, a lot. There's, there's you know, I mean, it's just... There, the weather is yeah. great, but man, it, it, it also has, it's this collection of just really trippy people. And, and so every day in the news, man, and, no, and you know, Nick over at Ranger out, he has the, I don't know if you've seen bad news network that he does online. Mm. Oh God, you got to watch it, bro. 
So funniest thing I've seen in a long time. He does this, you know, 10 minute bit called Bad News Network. At least our news is 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 as good as all the other bad news that's on TV. <laughs> and and he, you know, almost everyone, he has a crazy f- dude in Florida store. Yeah. No, it's fucking nuts. Yeah. Man, shit, I don't even pay attention. And I'm just like, fucking Florida, they're at it again. I, it's it's insane. Yeah. I Well, you guys are getting, you're getting kooky too, man. Yeah. I mean, there's, I've, I've been to Austin a few times. Yeah, Austin's a fucking, <laughs> I mean, that's a whole different fucking place. I mean, it's like it, not it's radical places. though. When you, you know, for me, it's all, and the reason I love doing it is, is I just love how different, the human condition is is similar, right? There are these core components within it. You know, there's fear and there's confidence and there's purpose and meaning and all these real core I, I, things that we identify with in our development as human beings. But man, the the routes that people go about to discover yeah. those things are 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 really unique. Yeah. And so when you take a city like Austin and drop it in the middle of Texas, that's pure. That's pure entertainment. Man. Oh, I know. Yeah, I mean it is, and I mean every. I, I don't particularly uh, care for it. Uh, you know, when I go there, most people like the vibe and the energy, and and you know they do have great food and music and, and yeah. what have you. But I just, you know, to me that that type of person, it reminds me of the elements of CrossFit gyms that I don't like, uh, the elements of the rock climbing communities yeah. that I don't like. It, it's that the the surfer rock climber you know, Kyle that wears ax body spray and CrossFits. It's, it's that fucking like, Oh bro. Fuck. You know, I just, I can't stand that fucking, that personality. Yeah. You know, it, it drives me fucking crazy. And, and to me, it's just, it's, 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 it's so funny, man. We, you know, human beings, when they get hooked into something that, that gives them, uh, some, I don't know, for lack of a better term power, right. Yeah. Those types of things they empower people. They, they'll, they'll jump all in into where it becomes contrived and yeah. they're, they're trying too hard. Yeah, yeah, like exactly. I mean, that's the word I was going to use was manufactured. Yeah, you know, perfect. It's, it's just, uh, yeah, like it, it's such a bullshit. I mean, it, it's like a, a, I don't know, a pothead's version of, of like the valley girl fakeness, you know, like it's just, <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't, like I don't have any fucking patience for it, you know, so I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of Austin. But. Oh, dude, I love Austin. <laughs> Because <laughs> I just laughed, man. Yeah. It's so awesome, man. You know, I was out there for uh, with all, you know Aub- I, Aubrey Marcus and on yeah. it, and they're they're sponsor for a show, and I'll cut in to give them a prop here in a second. But you know, going out and just meeting some of these people, and and you know, the one thing that I think there is some positivity is that you know, at least in those environments, you know, there's a freedom for people to explore what, what might bring them meaning or they go and experience those things and realize, well, this isn't really the place to search. And then they, it puts them on another trajectory to find the better training, to get them to the place where they do have better meaning. To me, I I think for the type of person that uh, is inherently looking for that and, and, and needs it and is generally positive. I think that works well. What I, the, the, concern or or problem i have with it is that for a lot of people it just ends up being a crutch yeah you know and and a an an excuse factory for them as to why they don't have their shit together yeah you know because like places like that in most of california you know it it is like it's it's a it's a way to deflect personal responsibility and make it somebody else's fault 
be a fucking victim and complain about everything. Mm. And to me, like those are the type of people I want to fucking beat with a sack of oranges. Like I can't stand it. You know, I just, uh, <laughs> again, I, I, another Florida reference. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I, I hate that fucking mentality, you know? And, yeah. Uh, you know, just that, that, uh, that good vibe only fucking just that, yeah, like that surfer fucking mentality of, uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's almost like a, it's a hard to, to put your fucking no manufactured is a great word for and you know and i always what i try and do is i always try and go back to when i was a kid you know and i was you know 18 through 22 or before you know i joined the navy and went in and and started shaping my shit up and 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 stopped the excuses right i i i thought about these radical influences that i was allowing to penetrate which were all dysfunctional which all you know, did not lend themselves towards a, a, a healthy minded, you know, driven individual, you know, and, and how easily, you know, we're manipulated. And, and so one of the things, you know, to, I'd love for you to kind of break down your introduction to that, where you really first started saying, wow, dog psychology can be applied to human psychology. What was that moment? Because I, I always reference the time when you and I were sitting together in 06, 07, whatever that Navy SEAL uh, foundation dinner in Denver. And we went to lunch that day at that, I think it was a Chewy's or whatever it was. And, and man, you spoke for three hours about the psychology of a dog and a human. And so can you just kind of bring the listener up to how you discovered the the parallels? Yeah. So for me, it was, uh, after I had been training dogs for a few years, uh, and I think, you know, not unlike really anything is that it, it takes a few years before you really know what the fuck you're doing. Absolutely. And so what, what I found myself doing was reflecting on a lot of other elements of my life because I, I would find myself just like in podcasting, just like we've already talked about, I would find myself applying principles that I, you know, have come to, to, you know, almost rely on as a second nature in dog training and, mm. be, and become, you know, muscle memory or, or, reactions instead of decisions, which is something I talk a lot about in, in dog training in terms of your dog is really trained when you give them a, a command or a you know body language or whatever, and, and the dog just responds or reacts, and they don't have to think about it. That's when they're truly trained. And so with a dog trainer or just in general is that it's, it's that same way, is that when I start doing things without having to think about them before I do them, mm-hmm. and, and I find myself applying those things with my kids, with spouses, with coworkers, with bud students, with, you know, whatever is that I'm like, holy shit, this is all the same fucking stuff. You know, psychology is psychology. It's all behavioralism, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and so, yeah, whether it's, you know, the, the book team dog that I wrote, uh, I mean, it's been, been out for four, four and a half years now. Um, you know, to, to look at that and remove the word dog, and put whatever the fuck you're interacting Teen with. Teen kid. Yeah, I yeah. mean, like, but, through, you know, if you replace the word dog in, in the entire book with child, with spouse, with athlete, with fucking you name it, it's all basically the same stuff, right. you know? And so it was kind of a progression after I'd been doing it a few years. I, I found myself realizing that I was applying those things and I would catch myself doing it with my kids. Something as simple as, like, you know, in, instead of like, you know, they're getting ready to, to touch a hot something or other, like at two years old, like what do most parents do now, honey, now we don't touch that. It's not to do stay away. Like they don't know what the fuck you're saying. Yeah. You know, so like I, I would find myself like body blocking them 
and, and using like forwardly, not aggressive, but like almost bordering on dominant body language wow. to move them away from it and, and like snap my fingers and point at them and use eye contact and, and frontal, almost predatorial behavior to where, you know, without saying anything, they're like, shit, I'm going to not fuck y- y- with this. Yeah, then. yeah, this is bad. Yeah. And I'm like. I do this all day with dogs that are trying to fuck with me. And, and now I'm doing it to my, like I would catch myself doing shit like that. Was that nervous? Was that nerve wracking? No, uh, to me it was, it was more fascinating yeah, yeah, than anything, yeah. you know, cause I was like, well, fuck it worked, you know, like, and it's like, uh, the broomstick, the, uh, the Kevlar on the broomstick holding it up. It's not dumb <laughs> if it works, you know, like, so uh, yeah, I mean, I, it, like it, it almost, it became like, let me see how else I can incorporate this into, you know? And so, Using basic reinforcement, which is primarily what I, I engage in with dogs outside of just, you know, the nonverbal stuff, uh, is what I found myself, you know, the A plus B equals C formula, applying that to everything is, is making a contextual association for the subject, whether it's the dog, the child, the whatever. And again, like trying to set them up for success to, uh, to make the decision that I want them to make and then reward them for it. So the kids was the catalyst for you going... Whoa, this is applicable across yeah. across species. Absolutely, it was. I mean, mostly the kids. I, w- I would find myself doing it, you know, again, with business partners or, or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, primarily with them just because there's, a, a, you know, f- for kids from the time they're, you know, walking until they're four, four and a half, five, you know, it's pretty much an exact parallel, dogs right. to kids. You know, once they can start to not just talk but actually understand and you can converse with them, the older they get, the, the more it drifts away from the direct parallel. But, um, but in the, those first few years, just like when you're training a dog, is that when you're raising children, I mean, you've got hundreds of micro interactions with them where you can apply those things. And so just out of sheer volume alone, like I've got two kids in the house and I'm fucking, you know, doing stuff with them all day, every day. So it just in, in volume alone, like that's what I right. have the most exposure to. Wow. Now, so for you, cause I, you know, you grew up, you had some dogs, but it wasn't anything like, like, like when you got to the teams and you saw, you know, the impact of what a dog could do for a platoon downrange and that, and that light went off for you. Did it take you, I mean, you know, obviously, like you said, it takes a couple of years to get going. You know, when you look at what you were doing, let's call it six years ago to where you are now how much more have you learned or, or are you, you pretty tapped out? No, I mean, I, I continue to learn nonstop. Um, for sure, you know, you get to a point where, where you kind of get it. Uh, And so I, I wouldn't say that you necessarily learn less, but maybe less frequent and they're not as big of like, holy fuck, groundbreaking moments like you have, (laughs) you know, earlier on. But, you know, I mean, I'll I'll give you last night, you know, I I got a dog in from the airport last Friday. Uh, I've spent the last several days with him just hanging out, bonding, building a relationship. Went and did bite work with him for the first time. And the, I won't bore people with the details of half of it wouldn't make sense anyway, but the, the, the gist of it is that I, I tried something new thinking about some issues that I've had in selling personal protection dogs, not issues, but just things in reflecting back, like I could have done this better. You know, the turnover could have gone better if I'd have applied this or whatever. And so I tried something different. Is that the big challenge, the turnover that, that for me seems like that because they, they have the trust in you. Then all of a sudden this person who doesn't nearly understand the micro evaluation process. Yeah. 100%. I mean, the, the dog is the is the non-variable. That's the constant. Yeah. 
the training is there. The dog's solid. Uh, it's, it's communicating all of the things that's taken me decades to learn and, and reducing it both in, in volume and of time uh, to be able to explain it, but also being able to reduce it from a layman's term standpoint yeah. so they can actually understand it and ultimately apply it. That's the tough part. But Does that make you fucking cringe, dude? Sometimes, yeah. It, it, the client, it really is, is, is the wild card that you don't know. You know, some people, you know, I've had some clients that, uh, that were the f- coolest fucking people. I mean, the last dog I delivered, absolutely an, an example. Shout out to EW in Phoenix. I know you're listening. Uh, Leo is a, a fucking stud, you know, like when I have clients like that, like they, they couldn't make my job a easier or more enjoyable because right. they just get it and they don't have unrealistic expectations of, you know, Hey, 10 minutes after you fucking leave, this dog better be a fucking robot or I, you know, like it doesn't work that way. No. Because it's still a creature. Well, not only is it a creature, but it's a creature that you can't explain anything to. Yeah. You know, so it's like, I mean, if if I had the ability to explain anything to a dog, brother, I wouldn't be sitting here with you. I'd be on a beach somewhere, you know. (laughs) Drunk, drunk. We'd be doing this on your yeah, G five, right? right? Your that, Trico's G yeah. five. That's sure coming, by the we way. Sure as fuck would. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I mean, like if if I if I had the ability to do that, you know, it'd be a game changer. You can't. So, you know, again, the projecting thing is that if you put yourself in the dog's shoes, like this is a dog that that was born in Europe most most of the time, traveled halfway across the country here, has spent the last several months, six months, seven months with me, you know, day in day out. Now we drive halfway across the country, go to somebody else's house he's never been in, surrounded by people he doesn't know and has never met. Most of them usually have, you know, a a pet or several of them that, you know, maybe don't particularly like the fact that there's a new dog in their house. And this is a dog that that has been bred, raised, and trained. You know, so he's got genetics, training, and experience, contextual association, scenario-based stuff to defeat a grown fucking man who's physically capable and not scared of him and intent on hurting him. Like you throw all of that into a family. Somehow a Pomeranian doesn't. Yeah, yeah, it's like, that's my fucking hot dog. Like, motherfucker, no, it isn't. You know, and, and, uh, you know, so so when you put all of that on, like that is so much to ask of a fucking dog that, that now you couple that with, oh, and by the way, I can't explain that this is what's happening. Right, you right. Know, like, you know, so to me, like, that that's my job to be able to explain that to the people that, hey, this is what's going on with the dog. You've got to, to understand that and realize it's going to take a few months for this dog to really settle in and, and view you as an owner. And there's probably going to be some fucking speed bumps along the way where the dog's going to blow you off. He's going to challenge you. He, he's going to act like he has no training whatsoever because you you've maybe done a couple of things the wrong way and... And so, you know, in that first few months, it's really key for me to, uh, you know, to be able to, to be really accessible for those people and, and get on the horn and, and troubleshoot if they, you know, come into problems. But you, Has there ever been a t- time in the, in the past where you, you, you've been contacted, you do the interviews and you said, no, mm. I'm not going to do it? I mean, regularly, yeah. Regularly. Yeah. And yeah. I mean. So I, what are the what are the criteria that make a good owner for one of these dogs? I mean, so it's a couple of things. I mean, it's it's no it's not really much different than the things that you'd look for in a good friend or somebody that you wanted to get into That's business cool, with. You man. know, it's like you've got to be realistic. You got to be a good fucking person. Uh, you've got to be consistent. You know, anybody that's in a position to buy one of my dogs is obviously successful and has their shit together. But I know, you know, the traveling you do and, and the you know different folks and wealth that you've 
been accustomed to. You know, you see some people that professionally are as dialed in as they can get. And goddamn, personally, they have the biggest shit show going on. Train racks. It just, just absolute train racks. Train yeah. racks, you know. So I try to avoid those situations because that's where the dog is going to be, you know. And so if, if they've got shitty kids, you know, that are super disrespectful and just, you know, fucking all over the place and, and just their lives are a fucking mess personally. I mean, not that I can necessarily gauge that or, or gauge it as much as I maybe would want to over the phone, but I've done it enough to where you know, having a conversation with somebody and, and just, you know, talking to them and you get a pretty good idea of what kind of person they are. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, and so that's, that's kind of the gist of it. I mean, I don't, I don't sit there and have them fill out, you know, these super lengthy questionnaires or anything like that. I mean, I, again, I've done it enough to where in talking with them, I, I can tell by the questions they ask me if they're realistic or not. You know, if somebody's like, you know, Hey, I, you know, is this dog going to be able to you know, with a laser pointer, like pick out a dude in a fucking state fair that I want him to go target whenever I'm like, dude, you're not at that fucking level. Like if you're asking me that, excuse me, you're going to have some un, un uh, realistic expectations yeah. and stuff, you know? So, um, the other, the other component that, that will make me shy away from it is just like, if you can tell they want it more as like a status thing, Yeah, you know, and, and that's a big thing it, right no, now. No, it is, you know, it's a big thing. Everybody wants that, yeah. those two gorgeous Malinois at their house. Yeah. And, and, and it's just like, why yeah. you, you don't, you don't yeah. need it. Yeah, you know? It's not a, a hood ornament or a gargoyle. Like it's a fucking living, breathing member of your family. And, and no different than bringing another child into the world. Like it's that level of responsibility. And in some ways more, because now you've got a dog that, that has, while it's a non-lethal protection mechanism, that motherfuckers has the ability lethal. to be it's lethal. lethal. I know? mean, you so, showed me those pictures last time we were together yeah, some of, of those bites. bites yeah. And I was, I was like, that can't be true. Yeah. And you're like, no, this is, and this is the dog that yeah. did it. And I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. And that's, you know, when people are like, you know, my dog fucking bit me and we're going to the hospital and you're like, where? You know, like most people's idea of a dog bite and what's what's a legit working a dog bite yeah, is punch. totally Yeah, yeah, different. no. Dude, I, that was me. And you yeah. showed me that one dude's thigh that was just yeah. filleted to, the, to yeah. the femur. And I was just like, good God almighty. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, I mean, a, a genetically capable dog that, that has good training. Um, I mean, it's honestly like I always laugh because people are like, well, I'll just I'll feed him my hand with this arm and grab his throat. with." I'm like, dude what you're saying is is like saying I, somebody's coming at me with a chainsaw and I'm just going to grab it yeah. and stop the blade and I'll take it from him yeah, like that's yeah. what, that's essentially what you're talking totally, about doing you know totally. like it, it, it doesn't work that no. way you know I've been bit a bunch and I can tell you even with the experience I have and, and the ability to to either you know dominate or punk out a dog or intimidate them or, or get them off of me way faster than most people wouldn't keep my head about me when a dog's trying to hurt me and all those things when I when I come across a dog that's coming after me for real, um, the the one fucking thing I'm trying to do is is minimize the amount of damage he's doing to me, and that is that's it. it. That is that's it. all you can. That's do. all you can do. Yeah. You know, and that's it. You know, so you know, and that's with again with years of experience in doing it. So what what do you, what are, what is the what is the ideal client for you? What what are you looking for to provide that level dog? And then I want to shift over to your your online training and, sure. and, and and how that applies to all dogs and at every level right but for what is the what is the who is the person that needs this dog yeah so to me you know the, the kind of the the mental picture of what that looks like is is and what i prefer is is normal family environments you know people that live normal lives you know they're not 
you know, tour into fucking Europe and, and, you know, they've got nine different properties all, and that they want to fly their private jet. Like that's a tough fucking spot to put a dog in. Dogs are creatures of habit. They like routine. So, you know, to me, like I, I like a good family, you know, that's, that's grounded, that, you know, has principles and fucking morals and they're consistent and they, and they're instilling values in their kids. And, you know, those, those are the types of families, but generally, you know, one of the two or, or in some instances, even both of the, you know, about both of the spouses rather are, super successful, high net worth, travel a lot. They have a reason to be a little more worried about somebody trying to grab their kids or, uh, you know, or rob them or, you know, whatever, they're a higher profile, whatever. To me, like that is the the ideal spot because they do have a, they absolutely have a justified need for a higher level of security because they have resources that most people don't have, which is an attraction for people that don't have them and are desperate, you know, and, and again, whether it's grabbing people's kids or whatever, but you know, to me, it's, it's that it's like somebody that you'd want as your fucking neighbor. Like, they, yeah. you know, they don't need to be fucking Michael Jordan. They just need to be good, solid, hardworking people that are consistent and going to provide a good, good family and, and, and lifestyle and home for the dog and take good care of them, maintain the standard of care that, that I show them how to, how to maintain. And that's really it. Is, is it easier to, to have one of these dogs or easier to carry? Um, hmm. Uh, probably easier to carry. I yeah. mean, you know, because the dog is, again, it's a living, breathing animal. The, it's a little bit of apples to oranges in that, you know, why I like dogs so much is for a number of reasons, but in terms of just comparing and, and contrasting them to the efficacy as it relates to a, to a weapon, you know, there are a lot of people that maybe don't have the fucking stones to pull the trigger or, they they hesitate or it gets taken from them and used against them or they couldn't get to it in time or they didn't have a round chambered or it malfunctions or it's in the fucking safe or they forgot it. You know, I mean, there's a million fucking things yeah. that can go wrong with that or you miss and fucking shoot somebody else. Your first three rounds don't even hit. Yeah. yeah. The liability of killing somebody versus going not. to jail. Yeah, man, that's a whole nother thing. Yeah. Um, but the other component is that, you know, the, the dog, the nice thing about them is because they, they don't have our ability to logic and reason, when we take these funneled genetics and couple it with really high-level training and marry those two things together, you have a dog that I won't say is a robot, but is incredibly fucking reliable. Training and, and real and reality is is kind of blended into the same goddamn wow. hybrid with them. And, and That's so, an interesting topic right there. Yeah, because they, you know, we have the ability to identify this is bullshit. There's a safety net. It's not a real, you know, whatever. Like with dogs, there's way less of that. I'm not saying that dogs aren't smart enough in some instances to know the difference. Well, but, you had said a comment when you were that you've taken enough bites of dogs that wanted to hurt you. And that made me go, wow, he's actually training these dogs at such a level that they want to destroy you in training. That's genetic. What you can do with, you know, the, the, the genes or the, the genetic desire to, to use anger coupled with forward, natural forward aggression with a dog is, is purely hardwired. You can't teach that. Wow. You can select for it. And that's what I select for without that no different than, you know, in buds, like there's some people that I don't give a fuck how many instructors get together and try to get this kid to fucking make it. He just isn't, isn't the right shit. Yeah. That was interesting when you and JP talked about that and said, you know, JP was, you know, so gracious when he said, no, you're built for this. This is, yeah. you were destined for this. Whether, yeah. You know, there are those that are and those that aren't, and yeah. that's who we are and yeah. going through, you know. Yeah, and so with dogs, it's the same fucking way, you know, so. Let me ask you this, is before we shift over to, to we'll call them civilian dogs, right? 
is do those do these high level dogs can can you have a, a relationship with those dogs as if you would a, a normal dog? Hundred percent, really, so same exact thing. And I would even I would beg to to offer the perspective that you can actually be at an even higher level with them. And 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 interesting. I, and, and I feel how so. Way. Dogs at, at this magnitude have a couple of things that, and, and we mentioned it at lunch, is that you know when when people when like when I sell a dog, people that have had a bunch of other dogs, you know, pretty much all of them, you know, few weeks, few months into it, they're like, I cannot fucking believe how how capable this dog is, or or what he's capable of, or, or just how fucking smart, how alert, how you know innate his his genetic abilities are to, to fucking size things up and evaluate them on, on the move and, and whatever. And so instantaneously, they just have that. They're just, they, they do. And again, yeah. that's genetic. Now yeah. it's, it's absolutely heightened and refined by training, you know, by, by putting them then them in contexts where somebody's fucking with them and maybe I shouldn't trust this fucker. And, and you know, you're, you're interjecting, elements of danger and violence and aggression towards them, towards the handler, towards the family, towards the property um, that aren't typically in those environments. And so they, they become keen to that and they remember it, you know? So when, especially for people like us that have, you know, been to war and, and even if you haven't, you know, if, if you're an observant, even a little observant, yeah, you recognize how rare and how valuable what they're bringing to the table is. And so you appreciate that more. And just like with anything, rarity and appreciation is going to make you value something more. Wow. You know? so, That's a great common combination. Rarity and appreciation combined. Wow. Yeah. You know, so just like, you know, the woman that's in your life, you know, there's fucking, yeah. you know, 3 billion women all over the planet. Right. But this one is, is designed for me. Yeah. Man. You know, yeah. so, so when you get a dog that it's just like, holy fucking shit, look at what this dog can do that level of appreciation is so high that you just, I think inherently have a better relationship with them. Do the dogs have the, uh, at that level? And I know I'm just lingering on that because it just fascinates me how you can have a living tool that represents the highest possible sense of security. Right. But also can be the family dog. Yeah. And, and so the, do the, are the kids, how much training do the kids require then too? Some, most of it is, you know, my hierarchy fucking philosophy of, you know, parents, you know, you guys are running the show, so you got to manage the dog, you got to manage the kids, you know, you're, you're running the fucking show. So with that, a lot of it's going to depend on how old they are. Okay. You know, obviously the, the older they are, the more instruction they're going to get, the younger they are, the more it's, it's up to you as the parent to fucking manage the, the intangibles. But, um, you know, what, what the most important thing to, to remember uh, for everybody out there, and this is whether you have a fucking dog for me or not, is that early on, again, that dog doesn't know who these fucking kids are, you know. So the analogy that I give everybody is is you walk into a busy fucking restaurant, right? Uh, what What is going to make you the most uncomfortable when you walk in there? I, I mean, number of people, for sure. Uh, loud, uh, the sound, mm -hmm. uh, density, um, smells, you know, uh, uh, the type of people yeah. that are in there, the cultural environment I'm in. But if so, agreed, 100% yeah. great answers and, and, and uh, astute, no doubt. However, as it relates to the parallels of, of that family, the family are now the other patrons. 
you, you've been in a place you walk in and it's a small town and everybody fucking turns and everybody is looking at you that just walked in. That is uncomfortable as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They're paying attention to you. Now imagine they walk up to you and they're like, Oh, what the fuck? You know, they don't speak your language. You don't have a fucking clue who they are. They're wow. trying to put food in your mouth. Okay. But now, now think about it. you just brought a dog home. What does every motherfucker do that? Yeah. Let me stare at this motherfucker. Let me walk up to him when he's trying to be left alone. Let me shove food in his mouth. Let me rub all over him. Yeah. Let me fucking dive bomb on him because I'm a three-year-old dipshit. <laughs> you know, like you're doing everything in, that you could possibly be doing to make this fucking dog uncomfortable. Stop it. Ignore right. him. You know, and, and so the, the most important thing, and again, whether, especially with my dogs because they're, they're built and designed and trained to fuck people up, leave them the fuck alone at first. Yeah a few weeks, a few months down the road, you'll get to where, you know, your kids can ride them and fucking hang out with them and do all of the things that you see stupid people letting their, their kids do with their dogs. I don't recommend it, but the dogs will tolerate that. But you know, the second day that that dog is there, tell your three-year-old to leave the fucking dog alone right, and just right. ignore them, you know? And, and when that dog decides to come to you, then you mark and reinforce that. And, and now you have no problems. I use the crate Crate the dog, have it in a common area so you can hear, smell, see, yeah. all of that shit. Uh, and when you let him out, you're you're marking and reinforcing things. You're just kind of letting him settle in and, and be alone, you know? So, it must be a pretty fascinating thing to get stories from your dogs going to these people and their families in that moment where the dog imprints on the family, right? And, it's amazing. And, and, and what, what the response you get back. What are some of the things you hear back from these people? Yeah, I mean, that's... that's there's two, two things that I love the most about what I do outside of the Warrior Dog Foundation. Uh, and that's, you know, the, the success stories I get with the online training of people, you know, which we'll get into. The other thing is putting personal protection dogs in people's houses that it, it really changes their life. Um, you know, routinely, you know, people, you know, will, will follow up and, and, and say that. Like, I, 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 my expectations, like, I didn't know what to expect. I kind of had this mental image of, of what we were going to get. And I'm blown away at, at how how far they're exceeded by the quality of this fucking dog. Wow. I'd love to tell you that, that it's mostly me. It's not. It's mostly the dog. I yeah. mean, it's 90% genetics. Now, I will say, you know, you've got to know the right people to, to source those dogs, and you also need to know how to fucking evaluate them, and most people don't have either one of those. That I will blow my own fucking horn and say I have both of those. But the training component, I mean, the, the reason I'm so fucking particular <laughs> Uh, about and why I'm so hard on them in the test is because I want it to make my job easier. It's hard enough as it is. Yeah. You know, so if that dog is a genetic fucking mutant, you know, of a unicorn dog that rarely exists in the fucking world, like that's just going to make the training so much easier for oh, me. You know, it so, must. It, yeah. So and how is it? Is that a is that a vast group of animals no, that's available? No, I mean it's a fraction of a percentage. Yeah. There's there, you know the. The Michael Jordan, fucking Larry Bird, yeah. Tiger Woods. I mean, that that's what they are. They're that of the dog world. I mean, they're anomalies for sure. Wow. And do you get the phone call, hey, I think I got one, and then you're, yeah. Yeah. Then I mean, you're gone it, immediately? Yeah, I, yeah I've, I've got, you know, a handful of, uh, of we'll call brokers, vendors, you know, across the world that uh, they're always looking for dogs. And they'll when they come across one that, that may work, they'll say, you know, hey, I've got this. Here's the specs on them. And, and you know. If, if I'm in a position where I need one, I'll pull the trigger on wow, and okay. just get them. That's but cool. that's half of it. I mean, like, so like right now I've, I've got, you know, a couple of contracts for, uh, for personal protection dogs that I'm looking to fill. So I'll buy, you know, if I have two contracts, I may buy five or six dogs, Okay. you know, and I'll get the pool of dogs in and, and see which ones are going to be the best fit. Or 
I'll go to Holland. I may look at fucking 20 dogs you wow. know, to find the, the one that's going to be the best fit. And there's sometimes where I may buy two, three, four dogs for one client and none of them work. And I say, you know, hey, it's going to it's going to be a few more months before I can even find the right fucking dog. It just isn't going to it's just not the right fit for you. Wow. That's a pretty substantial quality assurance right there. Well, you, it, know? But, you know, it has to be. Yeah. You know? And again, like if I put myself in my client's shoes, like I would want them to do that. You know, yeah. I mean, you're adding a family member like if if I'm putting a, a dog around my family, around my kids, you know, leaving it with my my wife and kids while I'm gone and, and I'm, I'm handing the fucking torch to this bastard to protect my family. Like that motherfucker better take that training and evaluation serious, you know, right. for the people that don't shame on you, you know, um, cause they're out there. But, you know, so to me, like I, I take that really fucking personally and yeah. very seriously because it is like, to me that the two things that are unacceptable is that the dog bit one of the family members and fucked them up. Or the dog failed to engage somebody and, and a family member got hurt because he didn't do his fucking job. Those wow. are both equally unacceptable. Uh, you know, and so to me, like, that, that's a hard fucking Have you ever had any of those? I, I've, to, to date, I've never had any, uh, any, any dog that's ever failed. Um, I've, I've had uh, two instances where, you know, a dog was, was a little too much dog for the family. I mean, nobody got seriously injured, but it was just in in you know in introducing some other things that weren't part of the original uh, living dynamic uh, in one instance it was a uh, several young kids that were that were now integrated into the family that weren't in conjunction with a a elderly wheelchair uh, bound uh, in-law okay you know that, that changed the dynamic ser- you know significantly that I, I ended up you know just taking the dog back and putting a different dog in there oh, wow. a little bit better fit so well that, but, and that can that can happen that's it can yeah, yeah. And, and I do I mean like if, if I mean, that that's happened twice you know where I you know they weren't happy or or it didn't fucking you know work the way that that we had originally designed and take the dog back and put a different one. And you give those guarantees across. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. that's what I would know. All right, before we switch over to uh, going into civilian training, because, by the way, I'm literally, like, in awe. uh, Again, you just never cease to amaze me, brother. It's just incredible. But I got to take a just two-second, you know, shift away. All right. Uh, I, I, again, we are in Texas and it seems, you know, appropriate that we've already dumped a little bit on Austin, but one of my sponsors is headquartered there (laughs) and and Aubrey and, and on it. And, and, you know, the one unique place about that is, is that, you know, they are focused on, on providing the very best for, for their clients. And, and, you know, I've, I've been with them for, you know, geez, going on a few months now as a core sponsor but also using their products for about two years. And, and the one that really has been the best for me is a product called alpha brain. Um, you know, as I, I don't know about you, man, from, from all the claymore debts, all yeah. the slap charges, all the fucking, <laughs> all breaches, the other stuff, yeah, all the other <laughs> stuff that I've had, you know, all my, all the times I've been knocked out all yeah. the times I, you know, had concussions, you know, I'm, I'm scared shitless, man, about, about the, the men, the, you know, the mental acuity. I mean, I really worry, you know, and I'm already seeing slow signs of that short term stuff. And, um, and so, you know, being able to take alpha brain daily, wake up, you know, go to the bathroom, have my glass of water, take an alpha brain. It's just, it enables me to not, I mean, it doesn't make me genius by any stretch. It doesn't make me, you know, I'm not the, the sharpest tool in the shed, whatever, you know, my wit is definitely lagging a little bit with age, but, 
but it, it certain gives me the mental uh, fortuitous, you know, f- um, um, uh, fortitude, fortitude that I can I can keep the thinking going for longer periods of time. As I'm in one airport or one place, back and forth, man, I can stay up. Like just last week, I was up in uh, I was up in Connecticut, and I started talking at about ten in the morning, and I didn't stop till ten at night. Yeah. I gave two speeches. I did two two-hour Q&As. I, I just, I, plus I was working with the wholesaler that I was with, coaching him on his stuff as I do with my, a lot of my clients. And man, just straight, man, from 10 to 10. And, and you know, it was, you know, I, I, I think I'm able to do that in, in part yeah. with Alpha Brain. And, and if, you're, if you're familiar with it now, it's all right. No worries. Go check them out. And there's also this great promo right now. Aubrey's put in the golden ticket in your Alpha Brain package. And if, nice. you, if you get the golden ticket, a la Willie Walker, you get to do this incredible weekend journey with Aubrey and all the, you know, uh, Kyle and all the incredible athletes and people that they have over it on it. You know, Joe Rogan's been using their stuff forever. Andy is, I think, sponsored by them as well. He uses their stuff. Uh, they just, they make high quality stuff. I, I use a lot of their products. I use, I have bad gut issues, so I use their gut health products. I use their daily vitamins, you know, all of our proteins and our amino acids. And my, I mean, you open my thing and it's just like on it everywhere. But I like um, the golden ticket idea. Yeah, it's genius, man. I was thinking of feeding that to one of the puppies and whoever shits a golden ticket. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, I'll tell you what. Let's film it and we'll send it to Aubrey. All right. So listen, uh, oh, what I want you to do is go over to onnit.com. That's O-N-N-I-T. Check it out. Look for their premier cornerstone product. It's called Alpha Brain. Uh, it helps with uh, mental focus, mental strength, uh, the alacrity, neuroplasticity. A great product. Try it out. Don't worry. Tell my send you thinking. Uh, type in Frog Logic. All right. My other sponsor, man, is uh, uh, probably a little bit more up your alley for sure. Uh, a wise company, and they're a, a wholesaler, a sailor of prepper foods, freeze dried mm. foods, man. Yeah. They're out of Utah. Yeah. They're amazing, man. They're amazing. And, and it's so funny. I'm a buddy of mine became the CEO and reached out to me and said, Hey man, I know, you know, you've done prepper stuff. You've, I, you know, you, you're, you know, the industry and you, you know, you certainly eaten enough MREs to know what sucks and what doesn't, <laughs> man. Do you remember, oh, uh, fuck, you yeah. remember the MRE train, man? Oh, when, God. Yeah. I mean, I can still smell the, the farts that those things. Oh, produce. God. It's terrible. And your piss smells smells like what you ate like the it's, next time. It's the f- mo- it's most foul yeah. assault on your digestive oh, tract yeah. of anything yeah. else that there is no, on the planet. Well, Wise has come out, man, and, and they've adjusted everything. They've got this incredible new... Uh, t- quality of products they're putting out. Um, their their meats are real meats. They're 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 uh, they've got you know the gluten free product line. They've got fruits and vegetables and the fruit snacks that I give my kids when they go to school. They've got uh, the camping meals, which blow the doors off. Uh, you know, ninety percent of all other competitors, uh, and and they taste great, right? Yeah. And and. You know, you've also got the buckets, you've got, you know, the, 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 the three day, the one month, you've got the, the six month, the one year. Um, and I recommend all of them. In fact, just recently we went through hurricane Dorian, man. And, yeah. and it was, you know, I had, and once it hit category five and started crushing, 
the Abacos, man, that's 58 miles away. And yeah. so what went in my, you know, back of my car, all my long guns, you know, all my pistols, my kit. And then I had two buckets of, of yeah. wise food right back there, you know, in all the water. And, awesome. and I just felt that peace of mind, man. Yeah. And that's the deal. Yeah. You know, you, you, until you, until you need, you know, in an emergency and, and, you know, you, you can't really fathom. So do me a favor, go to wisefoodstorage.com. That's wisefoodstorage.com. Buy any product you got, anything they have on there, type in your promo code of FrogLogic and you get 25% off everything oh, there, man. Everything at the thing. Even if they're having a discount, you'll get 25% off on top of that as well. All right. There's a 90 day, uh, no questions asked, money back guarantee if you don't like it. Uh, but I'm telling you, you will. And this stuff can be stored up to 25 years. I mean, it's, they've gone, listen, my, my buddy is, is no joke. He is the real deal. He came in and his number one thing is we're going to, we are going to become the number one company in this product. He's already increased revenue by 48% in this company. He's turning around and, and it's, I'm telling you, it's, it's, they're the most dominant they will be, hands down, two more years, the most dominant because of the quality of product, the taste, uh, the the confidence that you gain, and, and just the ease with which uh, you can store it and keep it and all that. So wisefoodstorage.com, promo code FROGLOGIC, 25% off everything. All right. Thank Rock you. Yeah, buddy. Thank you. Sorry for the interruption. Not worry. All right. Civilian training. Yep. Online, man. And, and I'm... Like, I remember talking when you first said, all right, I'm going to do this. And not only is it incredibly, you know, ominous to, to, to put stuff out there to the public like this, man, because you've got to know your stuff, yeah. right? And I'm going through that right now. I yeah. mean, we were chatting about it. Is, is Frog Logic at the place where I, I've tested enough in enough environments with enough different age groups and enough different where I'm comfortable enough to put it out where it's going to make an impact because man, as you said, how many dog training books are there? Yeah. You know, how many dog training? I mean, you, you go and, you know, you get online, man, and there's, you know, 500 in your yeah. town. Yeah. I mean, so for me with, to answer your question, yes, it is. I mean, to me, like you're, you get to a point where it's just like, you know, what fucking put it out there and, and, set your nuts on the cutting board and see what happens, you know? Uh, but for me, it, it was, you know, I, I see a lot more of more like the mallet board, right? <laughs> yeah, that too. Yeah, whatever, whatever you're into, Dave. I mean, uh, but, uh, I mean, that's a whole nother show. Maybe that's our yeah. next show. That, that's later tonight. Uh, <laughs> After we go to the concrete jungle, right. Tate, hey. bro, Tate Fletcher, yeah. you, that place better rock. Bro. Go to the fucking woodshed later. Uh, <laughs> Ball peen hammer yeah. and some vice grips. <laughs> uh, but, you know, so for me, it, it was more about like the, the theories and principles behind training. You know, to me, there, there are so many like, you know, manuals that say, you know, to get your dog to sit, you do this. You, you know, to me, it's, it's not really that fucking cut and dry. To me, you know, what, what people need to understand is, is kind of the full spectrum. And this is the, it's the same approach I took with the book Team Dog was that, you know, the the subtitle of how to train your dog in Navy SEAL way was not, and that's a mistake on my part, 
it, it has nothing to do with, you know, training your fucking labradoodle to be a bomb dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What it is is that, you know, seals have the reputation we have for a number of reasons. It's not just because we're good, you know, fighters. At the job, right, yeah. You know, we Our have training. It, it's training. It's intelligence assets. It's resources. It's fucking, you know, insert and exfil platforms. Yeah. It's, you know, close air support. It's fucking repetition. It's high selection criteria. Yeah. You know, it's, it's all of these things that, um, you know, one of the terms, excuse me, that I use often is stacking the deck uh, or managing the intangibles, stacking the deck in your favor to win. And so with dogs, it's the same way. So many people just focus on training. Well, it's not just training. Like, it's nutrition. It's fucking mental engagement. It's fucking bond and relationship rapport you have with them. It's how much physical exercise they're getting. Are they getting enough sunlight? You know, are, are they getting enough time outside where they're, you know, they're leveraging or, or balancing the fucking time that they're spending in a, in a less natural environment, i.e. inside your house on a fucking couch? It's doing all of those things and, and because if you take a dog and feed him shitty food and don't exercise them and keep them fucking cooped up and don't mentally stimulate them at all and now drag them out and try to do some dog training with them, it's like herding a fucking pack of retarded kittens. <laughs> you know, like you, you're, you've got everything stacked against you to, yeah. to make it harder to train. Whereas if, you know, tip-top shape, great food, well-exercised, you know, outside sunlight, you know, all of the mineral de you know, deficiencies are, are accounted for. You know, you set up a, a sterile classroom environment to, to now introduce all of these behaviors that we're trying to, uh, trying to incorporate. Like, you're already starting out way ahead of most people. Now, when it comes to the training component, the other really important aspect is is removing the fucking the white noise and that's why I, I use a you know kind of a boot camp style um, structured training regimen at first and all that is is that the dog is crated other than than when we're training and people are like well fuck he's crated all day yes he is but it also means you need to get him the fuck out and train him a lot yeah but on top of that is is that we're also feeding through training right so if you take a 24-hour day and you break it into one-hour blocks. You say, you know, ask any dog owner, how many hours a day are you training your dog? It's, it's probably less than one. Yeah. Even if you're being liberal with it, we'll say two of those 24 blocks are being dedicated towards training, which how many people do you know spend two hours a day training their dog? Fucking None. Um, nobody. None. But what are those other 22 blocks? If those other 22 blocks are chasing kids around the backyard, fighting with the fucking neighbor's dog on the fence line, eyeballing squirrels running across the fucking road, chasing fucking basketballs from across the street, stealing sandwiches off the counter. And now you're trying to, in those 20, you know, other than those 22 blocks, now those other two blocks, you're trying to incorporate training. That dog, you're going to be a brack of fucking yard tools at Sears. <laughs> you're going to be in, in the, the uh, Dan Aykroyd reference to uh, the great outdoors. Uh, you're going to mean nothing to that fucking dog. Yeah. So just like with boot camp, you don't have fucking phones, you don't have fucking news, you don't have fucking magazines, like you're isolated. It's deprivation. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's sensory deprivation. Yeah. And so, and, and people may say, well, that's fucking cruel. No, it isn't. What's cruel is not training your fucking dog properly and he ends up getting hit by a car or put down because he bit the fucking neighbor's kid or got in a fight with the fucking across the street lab or whatever. Perspective, man. Yeah, you know, like that—that that is far more cruel. And, 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 you know, from a mental standpoint, you know, most dogs, when they're neurotic, it's because of that. It's, there's, there's a vacuum of leadership in their house. And dogs are hardwired to where if nobody else is running the show, even though most of them aren't dominant, 
and don't want to, they will if nobody else is. And that's a recipe for disaster. That's what a lot of dogs are is they're neurotic and they're resource guarding and they're aggressive and they're fucking dominant and they're doing these things that aren't, aren't natural to them that they don't inherently have or want, but they're doing them because you're a, a shit show that's not running it. So all that's learned. 100%. All, all of that's learned. It's not none of it's like the neurotic, the, the yeah, neurosis I mean, isn't genetic, un, like most, a stray most, or a mutt or I something mean, like that. W- with most of them, no. Wow, uh, I didn't know that. I thought. Yeah, I mean, in, in in my opinion and experience, far more dogs have inadvertently create created shitty behaviors than than actual genetic. Wow. For sure, there are some genetic basket cases, and that you know the whole adopt don't shop thing. I have a, a problem with that because why for a number of reasons but number one is that you know if you look at shelters right there's 3.3 million dogs that are surrendered every year Uh, 2.5 of them are uh, generally speaking either shelters or readopted about 800,000 of them are put to sleep it's over 2,000 a day that's a lot of fucking dogs but look at that number 3.3 million we we have more resources shelters facilities and people dedicated to to that problem uh, than we ever have before in our society, and it's the worst it's ever been. Brother, it's crazy. I like I went. I I, uh, I became working with the Red Sox. I became friends with Tony Larusa, and and he and his wife. Their big thing is is saving animals, yeah. right? And they have this 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 twenty million dollar facility up in uh, yeah. North Oakland where they're yeah. from. And the thing is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And they were going through some of those numbers with me. Yeah. And I'm like, how can they be so high? What's happening that the numbers are exploding? Yeah. So that it's, it's a couple of things is that on the, on the shelter side, if you think about it from their perspective, again, you project is that they, what is their incentive to have an empty shelter? Um, nothing. Right. Yeah. What are they out of with an empty shelter? Money, funding, funding everything, and yeah. jobs and facilities yeah. and everything. So there, there is no real incentive. Everybody can wave the bullshit flag and say that that's what our goal is, but you, you would be creating, you would be getting uh, rid of your purpose. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're, you're uh, liberating yourself out of a fucking line of work by doing that. That's number one. Number two is that you know instead of the adopt don't shop, I, I get where the where the premise comes from, and, and while it's well well founded and, and theoretically in um, altruistic, the intentions are yeah, good yeah. and pure. Um, where it falls flat is that to to ostracize people who are looking to better a breed and breed very sound, healthy dogs that don't have these genetic problems that make them impossible to fucking deal with, and and up in and out and in and out of shelters and, and rescues. That's what should be frowned upon. You know, yes, the the puppy mills where, and I, and I use even the word puppy mill with a, a set of air quotes, and that, <laughs> you know, just because somebody breeds dogs and has an outside facility does not make them a fucking puppy mill. I mean, to me, what you should be looking at is is what is the end product. If it is a genetically very, very capable, stable, temperamentally sound, environmentally strong dog, you sh- you should fucking reward those people. Really? Yes, because those are the dogs that are going to make good family pets. Um, the people that, that are just, well, I've got a fucking lab and my buddy's got a lab and I want pups like, you know, those backyard breeders. 
Th- those are 90% of, of the dogs that are in shelters are, are that. It's not, it's not professional breeders that are filling shelters. What, what's, how do you distinguish? Well, I mean, so a professional breeder is somebody who, who is using consummate textbook examples to further better the breed. At a minimum, at least maintain the standard okay. and, and ultimately look to improve upon it. But that's it. You know, if, if, you're, if, if you can go to a place and say, why did you make this breeding? They ought to be able to fucking tell you. Not because, well, that's the best dog I've had, and I want some pups out of him. Like, okay, well, what, what makes him worthy of you perpetuating his genetic code? If they look at you like, what? Yeah. Then they're, then they're the problem. Okay. You know? So okay. There are, my, my bitch with it is that there are a lot of people out there that breed dogs that are doing a service to dogs. All of the breeds that, exam, that, that exist today exist because people did a good job breeding them. Now, most of them at this point are abominations of what the actual breed standard is. Because, really? Oh, absolutely it is. I mean, if you look at a field trial lab and, 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 compa- and contrast him to, say, uh, you know, an AKC paper dog champion lines that you got out of the paper, I mean, it, it's a fucking paint job that's the same. Otherwise, it's not even the same fucking breed of dog. Wow, it, it's that different. It, it 100% is. How, how rapidly away from that papered AKC champion how rapidly can you pollute that that purebred immediately i mean and, the first the first go I'd the first generation two, i'd say two generations and it's gone yeah i mean one, one if one of the parents is a total fucking shit show but i mean you can do it really fucking quick and and, wow. it, and it is a bitch to maintain it you know and, and and in maintaining it you know me as a as a responsible breeder i mean one of the things that i do any litter of puppies that i have like i've got eight eight week old puppies i've got five of them like if there's two that aren't making the cut like then that's it they get they get spayed neutered or or whatever and they get given away you know i'm I'm not gonna allow somebody to fuck that up you know uh spaying and neutering same thing i mean you hear that all the time i I released a youtube video that uh, caused a whole fucking shit storm it was hilarious but I'm not a fan of spaying and neutering your dogs unless in those instances where you're just trying to, to cull those genes from the pool. If you want a dog as a, as a pet and want to maintain a happy, healthy pet, no different than cutting your fucking sack off, that's going to cause some big fucking problems. Wow. Now imagine cutting a, a two-year-old, you know, or, or as soon as a, as a male boy's testicles drop, you cut him off. You think at, at 19 he's going to be a fucking man? No, he's not. He's going to be a fucking circus. And so a lot of the problems, health problems and mental problems that you see is an imbalance in hormones caused by spaying and neutering, especially at an early age. Like if you're hell-bent on doing it, at least wait until the dog is physically mature. All of the growth plates are formed. They're mentally mature. That's why you see dogs that, you know, at six years old still act like fucking immature puppies and, and do puppy behavior like chewing things up and pissing on things and pissing you know out of submission and whatever because they didn't have hormones to help them fucking mature wow and people don't think about stuff like that they think well you should be responsible like i got news for you dipshit if you're that fucked <laughs> and you up, need to say it just like that with a fucking chest poke if, if you're <laughs> maybe a choke <laughs> yeah, if, if you're that fucked up to where you can't keep your dogs from fucking and impregnating each other you just shouldn't have a goddamn dog like if you're fix to overpopulation is cutting the fucking nuts off your dog. You shouldn't own a fucking dog. Wow. I mean, like it's that simple. I mean, it's no different than with kids. You know, if, if you, if you've got a, a daughter that has three kids by the time they're 17, like you're doing it wrong. Why, why are human beings so able to have that immense cognitive dissonance right there uh, in one way where it's, it's, 
they, but you know, when the dog's on them and they're playing and they're just like, they love the dog. And then the next second, they just do everything wrong. Why, why, why do, why do people do that? Yeah. So there's two things. One is called anthropomorphizing, which is attaching human emotion to animals, which is a huge fucking mistake. Do dogs uh, carry and present emotions uh, similarly to people? Yes, but it's it's is similar. it mimicking or is it? It's not refractory even that. It's, it, or? Yeah, it's a it's a I would say a a distant resemblance of the emotions that we have. They're no nowhere near as complex or as wide ranging. They're very very basic. And again, like if there's one wow. thing that you take, think about it from the perspective of, of again the dog. Is that a dog does not think in a language. Right. Think about that for a second. You know, we're talking in a language, you dream in a language, you think in a language. Imagine a, li- a life where you don't do that. Right. So a dog's mind works way more like a calculator than it does our mind. Mm-hmm. So everything with them is A plus B equals C. So they're, they're making an association with every stimulus that they come in contact with. And then they start to make those asso- associations and they remember them. And that's why you have the ability to train them to do things. But it's also, you know, why we we typically inadvertently create those undesirable behaviors. Are those are those are those associations? Do the, how e- how long term are those hardwired? So, um, it depends on on how it's ingrained. Because you know the old saying, if you you know, it's like riding a bike, mm-hmm. right? You, but you still got to get on and practice or shooting, right? It, it is. It, yeah. M- pra- most most of it is that way. Is that once you've laid a foundation and, and put it in there, it's it's pretty concrete. Okay. If you think of it like a piggy bank and you've got these association coins, if you're talking about operant conditioning, you've got positive and negative, and that's not good and bad. That's adding and subtracting. So if I um, have this piggy bank of, you know, all these coins that make a certain association, whether it's, let's say it's gunfire and A is gunfire plus B equals, uh, you know, somebody holding the gun and that making that noise equals C, I get to go bite them, you know, and a lot of police dogs is that, so now the presence of A, gunfire, is going to make them think C, I get to go bite them. And so, you know, it doesn't take all that many of those associations for the dog to, to now the presence of A equals the, the assemblance of C. How you break that, and, and this is if it's an undesirable behavior, is that now you're going to make A plus B not equal C enough times to where they stop anticipating it. Even going beyond, going so far as to rewiring those primal drives in them? If it's genetic, like prey drive, yeah. I, no. What, what, what I use as a technique for a super prey-driven dog is a redirect. And so uh, similarly, I, I, what I will do is I'll take it one step further. So if a dog is crazy driven for rabbits, right, is every, fu- like the dog just loses his fucking shit and can't help from, from doing it. I'm going to teach the dog eye contact. Okay. He makes eye contact with me. I mark and reward it so many fucking times to where the dog will not stop looking at me to where now it's like, it's creeping me out. Right (laughs) now it's like, why can't I get her to look at me like that? Uh, Uh, I got a lot of answers for you on that one, but yeah. Well, that's another podcast. (laughs) I thought, I thought you said I was good looking Dave. Uh, But so, you know, you do that and then now you take it a step further. And so now it's, it's healing and looking at me. And now I'm going to throw some small distraction. Like I'm just going to put a bucket or a fucking child standing on the outside of a fence line or something like that. And the dog has to continue to focus on me. And then, you know, once you get that ingrained behavior where the dog just is locked onto you, no matter what's going on in, with the exception of rabbits, now we're going to introduce the rabbit. So now we've, we've built up 
a mechanism where the dog is so hardwired to look at me and he gets rewarded so many times to where, again, it, it's that, you know, the analogy I use for shooters is that, you know, how many times did you have to pull the trigger on your long gun and nothing happened before you dropped it and transitioned to your secondary? A bunch. A bunch. But you got to a point where when you're holding the long gun and it goes click, you don't have to think. No, it's just going to right. it. Right, so, so you need to put that kind of repetition and, and slowly baby step and, and graduate your level of distraction in that dog to where you, you accomplish that exact same thing with every single behavior you want to do. And, and the amount of reps required to make sure it's concrete is going to depend on how, how driven that dog is genetically for everything else. Are certain breeds hopeless? There's just some breeds you just can't train. No, I mean, to me, breed is, is race, honestly. It is that, you know, breed, especially at this point, it's it's largely a paint job, is that, you know, there's good and bad examples of everything. Like, to me, you know, the, the breed is a really good, super general basic starting point, but everything else is is the genetics of the individuals, you know. I um, mean, it's it's what are their parents, what are their siblings, and then ultimately, you know, what, what kind of environment did you have them I in? It's not a nature versus nurture it's both are you opposed to uh, adoption no absolutely yeah. not I, I i'm a fan of it yeah um what i what i don't like though is the ostracizing of people okay. who are trying to yeah. better a fucking breed and, and you know it's like it's almost like you know the the veganism like the staunch like emotional fucking component that that turns it into illogical right like you know when, when people start using and that was the second point the anthropomorphizing is the first the second one is emotion you know better than most yeah. is that if you're if you're making decisions and you're acting on emotion you're probably going to be wrong you know well it's, it's fascinating you bring you know there's this great study that just came out about intuition and yeah. this great this great researcher okay yeah we'll wrap it up last point and then we'll go uh you know uh, let me just skip that and go to this um you know obviously you, you've invested so much of your life in, in, in what you're developing. Is it all coming together now, right? I mean, because yeah. I, I just saw you release the, the, the dog food. How is it all? Was this your grand vision from the beginning? No, not from the beginning, no. I mean, it was, it was really just kind of a step-by-step -step process. And as I did the next thing, it led to the next thing, it led to the next thing. Having said that, I've certainly come to a point where now, you know, just like with, I mean, to me, business is no different than dog training is that it took me years before I even felt like I had an idea of what the fuck I was yeah. doing, you know, and I've been, you know, running my own show and, and I've, I've been an entrepreneur for over 10 years now. Um, and, and it, it's taken that long, you know, but I would say in the last couple of years, you know, two, three years, I, I finally... I'm at that point where I feel like I actually fucking get it. I mean, I'll always be learning and I still have plenty to learn, but now I feel like, like, okay, now I kind of see all of the pieces on the chessboard and I, and I know what game I'm playing instead of just feeling like a pawn that's staring at another pawn, Wow, you know, which is how I felt at well, first. But Well, you know, when you just listening to your talk and all of our listeners, all my listeners now are just going to be like, holy sweet Jesus, this guy knows a hundred percent what he's talking about, right? You, Allegedly. Uh, I'm going to say that's not allegedly you are a master training specialist with dogs. And I'm, I'm willing to say with people too, to a certain extent, man, you, you have a gift for this and you certainly have invested enough time. Where can people go and sign up for the training and can anybody sign up for your training? And yeah, I mean the, the goal of this was, was to be a resource, a nonstop shop, kind of all encompassing resource. There's forums where I get in every Monday and, and answer questions and interact with people. 
you know, we do gear reviews. I've got canine uh, first aid certifications, canine CPR certifications, and then all of the content is just it's unlimited access to it for a year for 99 bucks. Um, and you go to teamdog.pet, uh, and that's where all my products, the CBD oil, the collar and leash, the first aid kits, the dog food now, uh, merchandise, and we've got crates coming out in a couple of months as well. Uh, but yeah, teamdog.pet, you can access it from mikeritland.com also. But my goal with that was was to be a resource for your average everyday dog owner because the neat thing about dogs is whether you're doing a high-level, you know, FBR fucking, or FBR, FBI, HRT, SWAT style, like ass eater dog, or, you know, training the neighbor's lab to stop knocking your fucking kids off the bike. <laughs> like that, you know, from, from A to B is the same process. Like okay. the, the process that I talk about in the videos, the foundation videos, watch the structure video, watch all of the foundation videos and implement it. You're, you're structuring with crating at first, you're feeding through training and you're, you're eliminating the white noise being consistent. And, and I, I, demonstrate all of these concepts that I talk about in the videos and give you kind of a, a playbook, a principled playbook as to how to, how to do it. But teamdog.pet uh, or mikeritland.com. Well, I'll tell you what, brother, I, I'm definitely, you know, I don't know how much longer we have on old Zulu, probably coming down to yeah. it after removing a 16 pound tumor out of his gut. But, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, the next dog I'm, I'm, I'm definitely all in and, and, and using your material yeah. and we're going to get there, but I appreciate more it. importantly, man, I, I'm just blown away. I really am. Uh, you know, uh, we know a lot of team guys that are still out there trying to figure things out yeah. uh, and it's been a while and they're still, they're still kind of finding their way, man. But man, you went all in and you found this amazing, amazing passion for what you do, but more so it's just man you're just you know you're just focused and you're focused to deliver a message that's personally that's genuine that's sincere that's trustworthy you know might ruffle some feathers by how you what you say but man you know god bless you i'm I'm so honored that you're calling me friend and that you want to come on and be on and i and man i I'd love to get you on in, in six months or so, and yeah. we'll talk business and all the other stuff too. I, I would uh, take it a step further. I mean, to me, you're you're a brother, not not just a friend, yeah, you know. Man, and, thank and, you. And I appreciate everything that you've done. I'm absolutely equally as as impressed and blown away with by everything that you've done. And I mean, you've really set the standard for a lot of us, honestly. I mean, with podcasting, with uh, you know, putting out content and and being a beacon for for motivation. I mean, I've I've relied on you to to help me out of, of not better, you know, the best times in my life. Yeah, and and you've, you've always been there and, and just been a, a real example for all of us. So I, you know, I really can't thank you enough for being who you are and, and uh, giving me the opportunity to come on. Thanks, Mike. I love you, buddy. Yeah, love thank you too, you. brother. All right.